Well, I hope you've had a good uh, first week of the new year. Uh, it's been a, a very busy week around here. Uh, but I was thinking this week, I was on a flight one time, an airline flight, and the pilot came on and said something interesting. He said, folks, I want you to know that uh, I am retiring and that this is my very last flight that I will ever fly. And everybody on the plane just kind of cheered and clapped and you know, yelled for him, you know, congratulated him. And it kind of occurred to me that I've never heard a pilot ever come on and say, hey, folks, uh, today is my very first flight. <laughs> never flown a plane before in my life. <laughs> I've never heard anybody cheer for that. And the reason is, I think, is because we want to know if we can trust the guy or gal who's running the show. Supposedly, the late comedian Robin Williams, remember Robin Williams? Earlier in his career, a story is told that he got a pilot's uniform. He put it on and he boarded a flight and he started greeting passengers at the back of the plane. And the actual captain, uh, which was kind of his custom, he left the cockpit and uh, left the co-pilot there and he started greeting people at the front of the plane, just kind of saying hello. And eventually he and Robin Williams met each other in the middle of the plane and they looked at each other and they said, I thought you were flying the plane today. And they both went running up to the cockpit to scare the living daylights out of all the passengers. I have no idea if it's true, but it's funny. We want to know, is somebody flying the plane? All kinds of stories about this. One more. An old story about uh, Lufthansa, Lufthansa Airline. Uh, Lufthansa is a, 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 an airline that flies a lot across the Atlantic Ocean. And there was a flight one time and the pilot came on and said to him, ladies and gentlemen, we're unfortunately going to have to crash land into the ocean. But it's okay, we're Lufthansa. And we're prepared for this. We want all of you who can swim to get on the left side of the plane and all those who can't swim, non-swimmers, to get on the right side of the plane. So they did and there was a big crash and a big splash in the ocean. They're in the water. And the pilot comes back on and he says, now here's the deal. We now have crash landed into the ocean. All of you swimmers on the left side of the plane, the emergency exits are going to open. Immediately swim away from the plane as fast as you can. For those of you non-swimmers on the right side of the plane, thank you for flying Lufthansa <laughs> Airlines. <laughs> uh, probably the only one who thought it was, I don't know. Is somebody flying the plane? And are they competent? See, we don't just want to know this about airlines. We want to know this about our doctor or our kid's teacher or our appliances or when they're being repaired. I mean, we want to know, is there someone in charge? Because if there is, then we can have kind of a freedom and a confidence. And if there's not, then we get all kind of tied up in knots. Is there somebody flying this planet? Does he or she know what they're doing or do I have to live at the mercy of my circumstances? Because here's the truth I want you to know on this second Sunday of January. All of us in this room will either live at the mercy of our circumstances or at the mercy of God. We're launching into a new series today, as you've been told, called Whatever Happens. And I want to tell you why this series is so important to everybody in this room. We're going to go after, for the next few weeks, one of the primary illusions of our culture and our life. And that is that I'm in control. 
I'm in charge. That I'm at the wheel and that I'm self-sufficient and that I'm enough. See, we're tempted in life to sometimes think and we kind of live based on like personal strength or education or knowledge or even our wealth, maybe even our networks that we have. But then something happens. A blood vessel bursts or a cell reproduces in our body. Somebody drives a car and somebody else runs a stop sign. And then it becomes terribly clear in an instant what a fool I really was to think that I'm in control. Here's why. Because life happens. That's what we're going to talk about today. And it's not just true about big crises in our life. It's true about anything, really. Think about this. In life, a bunch of stuff happens. Birth happens. Growth happens. Listen, puberty happens. Who in the world would ever vote for puberty to happen? (laughs) Anybody. Nobody. Listen, trouble happens. Suffering happens. But I'll tell you what else happens. Growth happens. Healing happens. Courage happens. And what we're going to do in this series over this period of time we know as Epiphany is we're going to look at how God is involved in all the stuff in all of my life. Stuff happens and God is involved in it all. And if I can learn and if you can learn to live in that reality, if I can learn to see where God is involved in the stuff happening in my life, I can live with a freedom. I can live with an ease, a confidence, an outlook on life that, friends, will be very, very liberating. That's what we're going to do here. You will decide, I think, over the next few weeks whether you will live at the mercy of God or at the mercy of your circumstances. Now, this truth has probably never been better expressed anywhere in literature Certainly not more powerful anywhere that I know of than it was a long time ago when a guy named Paul wrote these words in the book of Romans. He said, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. How many of you have ever heard that scripture at some point in your life? Sure. This scripture for the next few weeks is going to be kind of like our mantra, our guide. So much so that I'd like for you to at least remember the portion that we have on the screen. We're going to kind of memorize this together, okay? To do that, we're going to read it together again out loud, everyone together. Are you ready? Here we go. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. This first week is kind of our intro week, so we're just going to kind of walk through this, really just kind of one phrase at a time. And we're going to see how Paul has embedded some major truths about God and life in these verses. I'm actually going to start with kind of the second line in it. We're going to come back to the very first line at the, at the end. But, but I want to start with the first little phrase here, the second phrase that says, in all things. What he wants us to know here is important to know that all circumstances of our lives actually happen to all people. See, here's what happens in Christianity. Sometimes we're tempted to think, people think, if I become a Christ follower, if I become a Christian, certain things won't happen to me. But when Paul says all things, in the Greek, that word, literal word, the word all, it means all stuff, all circumstances. 
And the idea is that all things happen to people who believe in God the same that they happen to people who do not believe in God. Now, here's a way to think about this over this series. Think about it this way. There's two kinds of things that can happen to you in life. There's good stuff and there's bad stuff. It doesn't get any simpler than that, right? <laughs> good stuff and bad stuff. Now, to make sure we understand which category those things fall in, we're going to do a little walkthrough here, okay? I'm going to run through some possibilities. You tell me whether you think it's good stuff or bad stuff. Here we go. A promotion at work. Hopefully that's good. Ready? Illness. Very good. A blind date. <laughs> Could go either way, right? Don't, don't know. Going on a game show and winning a vacation. Good. Hopefully, yeah. Going on a game show and winning a vacation on a mime festival cruise. Very bad. If you want to be around mimes, it's a very bad thing, okay? Bad stuff. All of stuff in life we can say is good or bad stuff. Now, here's the problem. People think if I become a Christ follower, what that means is that more good stuff than bad stuff is supposed to happen to me. Because it's God's primary job to send good stuff because I believe in him and that's what scripture teaches. That's what pastors teach. Sometimes they'll think, you see, if I'm a Christian and you're not a Christian, more good stuff is going to come my way than your way. And if for some reason more good stuff is coming your way, then I don't kind of understand that. And people get kind of all out of shape spiritually. Sometimes people think if I want a particular good thing to happen in my life, then I'll be really faithful and I'll pray and I'll be obedient and I'll do the right thing. And I ought to have a better life with more good stuff coming my way. I'll give you an example. Several members of my family and I, we went to Nashville, Tennessee after Christmas for a few days. And uh, we were staying at this huge resort and convention center. And uh, we rented a car. And they had at the resort what they call self-parking. But they charged for self-parking $27 a day. I'm pretty sure that's criminal in a few states. I don't know. But you had to park your own car but pay $27. But it turned out that there were three parking spaces right up at the front of our entrance where we went into our part of the hotel. And if you could get one of those three spaces, you didn't have to pay. You could just leave your car there. The first day we got there, one of those spaces was wide open. So I whipped her in. And I made the comment, God loves me more than anybody else. <laughs> right? Here's the crazy thing about this. We stayed there three days, four days really, three nights. And every time I came back with that rental car, one of those spaces was open for me. I never paid for self-parking the entire time. All these other guys moving in and out of this self-parking, paying $27 a shot. Not one time. And I proved that God really does love me. Right? Now that's great, except for one thing. It's not true. <laughs> he really does love me, but he doesn't love me more than everybody else. This is important. All things happen to all people. 
traffic jams and problems at work and troublesome cranky neighbors and catching colds and having the dog get sick and have to go to the vet and the appliances conking out and parking spaces being unavailable. It happens to people who love God and people who don't give God the time of day. I'm going to take it deeper than that. I was talking to somebody this week, a wonderful person, a wonderful person. And they just before Christmas time got some very, very difficult news about their, their health. Really struggling. You see, families lose people. Moms and dads and brothers and sisters. I know of a lady right now I'm thinking of. I went to high school with her. When she got into her 40s, she had two small kids and got a diagnosis from a doctor. Just out of the blue, just went to the doctor for a checkup and found out she had an incurable illness. And she knew, she knew the moment she left that doctor's office that unless God healed her, she was going to die. And she did. And here's why I say this is because if a church gets glib about this, if people come in these doors to church and they hear some kind of happy talk that if they love God... You're just going to have good stuff happen to you all the time. Over time, people, it just kind of destroys their heart. It crushes their spirit. Our job here in this church at Oasis, our job is not to give people glib explanations about things that we do not completely understand. Our job is when people are sad or they're mourning or they're lonely, is to come alongside them and be family to them. And I want to say this to you, if you're in this room today and this new year is starting off and you find yourself in one of those places, I hope, I hope that we can be there for you. I hope that we can seek God together. I hope that even during something like this series, we can understand that we're all in this thing together. See, the reality is, is that we all experience all kinds of circumstances and those circumstances will tell us something about ourselves. This is one of the best things I've read in a long time. I'd read it many years ago and just kind of set it to the side, but Henry Nguyen wrote these words, and I think they're just powerful. He says, at issue is the question, to whom do I belong, to God or to the world? Many of my daily preoccupations suggest I belong more to the world than to God. A little criticism makes me angry. A little rejection makes me depressed. A little praise raises my spirits. And a little success excites me. It takes very little to raise me up or thrust me down. Often I am like a little boat, a small boat on the ocean, completely at the mercy of the waves. All the time and energy I spend in keeping some kind of balance and presenting myself or preventing myself from being tipped over and drowning shows that my life is mostly a struggle for survival, not a holy struggle, but an anxious struggle resulting from the mistaken idea that it is the world that defines me. Wow. All things happen to all people, friends, but you do not have to live at the mercy of your circumstances. I was reading an article, I think in USA Today, a few weeks ago. It was about a group of families and every person they interviewed, all the families that they were talking to, every one of those families had at least one child in their family who was a Down syndrome child. And it was interesting because they were talking about it and some of them uh, were actually Christians. And one of the ladies who was a Christian, her question in the article was, God, why would you do this to me? Why would I have a Down syndrome child? 
And another person, her prayer was this. She said, God, I thank you so much that you brought me to faith so I don't get through this journey or go through it by myself. But I thought the best one was one of the dads. He said this. He said, being the parent of a Down syndrome tribe, he said, let me tell you what it's like. He said, our family has learned more about love from this little guy. We have been brought together, closer together, through serving because we have this guy as a part of our family. He is the most relentlessly cheerful guy in our family. For that reason, I think we should start calling it up syndrome, not down syndrome. (laughs) Isn't that great? (laughs) See, the statement that Paul makes is not that more good stuff than bad stuff is going to happen. It's all circumstances. Then he says, here, listen, in all things, God works. Now, notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say that all things will work out. If you go back and read in this same passage, Paul will say about the nature of life and the nature of things. He'll actually say that everything is in bondage to decay. Now, people say stuff like this. They'll say, listen, everything is going to work out. Everything is okay. No. Everything is not okay. Paul said, this is the world that we live in. Because of the fall, because of decay, everything is in bondage. Things fall apart. Friends, this is why we have mechanics and plumbers and uh, plastic surgeons. (laughs) Right? Why does a car depreciate the moment you drive it off the lot? Why? Things fall apart. Why do you get warranties for your appliances that have a specified period of time and for some reason in this universe, they go out the day after that warranty expires? Why? Because things fall apart. Why do people go online on dating services and post pictures of themselves from 12 years ago? Oh, I've seen some of your pictures. Not necessarily online dating, but I've seen some of your pictures. Why? Things fall apart. See, the promise isn't things work out. The promise is not things work together for good. Things don't. Things are in bondage to decay. Here's the promise. Listen. In all things, God works. In your circumstances, good and bad. Now, what kind of God are we talking about? This is our God. This is a God we claim to follow. One of the things I hope we do in this series is I hope we can try to at least expand our mind to really kind of try to comprehend how big this God is that we talk about. I want to tell you something. Our God is infinitely bigger than our circumstances. The scriptures say, That he's the maker of heaven and earth. Now, regardless of how you think that happened, regardless of how you think that came into existence, all this stuff, the Bible has some interesting things to say about this big God. Isaiah says, God, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand, marked off the heavens. Now, we're going to think about this for a second, so just get your mind in gear. This will blow you away. It blew me away. I was reading about this, and there was an astron- astronomer talking about the sky. 
She was talking about the sky, and this is extraordinary. She said, in the observable universe, when we look at galaxies, a single galaxy can contain 100 trillion stars. Now, let's get your mind around that for a second. And in our observable universe, you ready? There are thought to be 200 billion galaxies. And a single one of them can have 100 trillion stars. Now, we teach in this faith that God brought all this into existence somehow. <laughs> and people, when they picture God, they seem to picture God with this giant universe with a much smaller God. But see, that's not the way to think about it. The, think about, the way to think about it is this giant God with this little universe in his hand. Now, see, if I was Pentecostal, that's when I'd be shouting right there, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm going to say it again. There's this big God, and there's this little universe right here in his hand. <laughs> but we don't think of it like that. Listen to what the prophet says. He says, look up your eyes and look to the heavens. Lift up your eyes. Look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. I'm going to tell you a secret about Robin, my wife. It's not going to be that good of a secret, so don't get too excited. Robin uh, has so many great qualities, but one of the things that she struggles with a little bit is she forgets her phone everywhere. So this Christmas, Sabrina, our daughter, and uh, our son-in-love, uh, Gabe, or will be our son-in-love in, in the next year, um, they bought her the greatest gift ever. They bought her this little device that she puts in her car, and it tells her when she leaves the house without her cell phone. <laughs> greatest gift ever for me. <laughs> for me. Listen, here's what I want you to know. God, <laughs> I'm talking metaphorically, you understand. God never walks out and says, where'd you guys put a Polaris at? <laughs> like, are you guys, what, what's the deal with Alpha Centauri today? Where, where's Alpha Centauri? This is the God, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, this leads to the question. Here's the question. Do you believe God is working when you are not working? Because here's how we live in America. We live in America as if Paul wrote, you make sure you're at work in all circumstances to do good. Because if you don't do it, it won't get done. That's how we live. So a question to ask is, is when you go to bed at night and you put your head on the pillow and you stop thinking and you stop working and you stop laboring and you stop toiling, do you believe that God is working? And I'm going to tell you something. If you ever own that, if you ever believe that, if you ever live that, it will take a tremendous load off of you. You're not in control of the weather or the traffic or the circumstances of your life. And listen, and it's a good thing because in all things, it's this great God at work. 
Then look at what Paul says. He says, in all things God works, here it is, for the good. Now this is a really important part of this verse. And the reason it's important is because very often it's taken out of context and misunderstood. Please, if you miss anything else I've said today, please hear this. People have a tendency to think that this means that I want this circumstance in my life, some good circumstance. So in my circumstance I'm in, God is at work for the good. So if I don't get a good circumstance I want, it must mean that God will give me a better circumstance. In other words, if I don't get this great paying job, this verse means that God is going to give me an even better paying job. Or if I don't get this great promotion, it must mean God is going to give me this even more terrific promotion. Or if I don't get to marry this beautiful, beautiful girl, it must mean that God has somebody even more beautiful and wonderful for me. Here's a way to think about this, friends. When we think about God working in all things for the good, the way to think about this is this. Life happens. And as life happens, good stuff and bad stuff can happen to us. Now let me ask you a question. Which do we generally want? Do we want the first one to happen or the second? The good stuff to happen or the bad stuff? Good stuff, of course. Nothing wrong with that. When you think about kids, this is a great way to think about it. Kids want from their parents, they'll say, Mom and Dad, I want a big allowance and fun toys and great trips. Right? That's kind of what kids want when they grow up. They want what? Big allowance, fun toys, and big trips, great trips, even as adults. And that's what we say sometimes. We hear from our kids. We'll hear them say stuff like that. But because we love them, we're generally more concerned about good things happening in them, right, than we are about good things happening to them. This is real important. A child will say, Mom and Dad, I want good stuff for me. I want to have good stuff. I want you to give good stuff to me. But if a parent really loves a child, do you know that a parent might actually be willing to make bad stuff happen to a child? We, we used to call it discipline. <laughs> we used to call it uh, time out or whatever they called it. I'm not talking about excessive. I'm not talking about over the top. I'm just talking about sometimes parents would actually cause bad stuff to happen in order that good stuff would happen in their kids. Am I making sense? See, we want good stuff to happen to us. Good jobs and better promotions and a hot date and a great house. And God is so much more interested in good stuff, in ha- good stuff happening in me, which is called the character of Jesus. That's called love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and faithfulness and so forth. The promise Paul is making here is not that good stuff is going to happen to you, although some good stuff will. It's so much more glorious than that. Paul says, I want good stuff to happen in you. Let me read it now. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now the question is here, what is his purpose? Listen, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. 
It did not say predestined to live a really comfortable life with a lot of good stuff happening to them. God's goal is for you and I to have the character of Jesus through all eternity. God is up to so much more than we think he is. God's promise is yes, there'll be good stuff that'll happen to you in life and you'll be given good stuff. He said, but I promise you at the end, what you really want is you want good stuff to happen in you. I love this part. He says, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. If you ask me what God really wants from people, I usually will tell them God wants you to love him the way he loves you. Paul wrote these words, and you have to remember he was a devout Israelite. He would do this every day, what is called the Shema, the the verse taken from the book of Deuteronomy. He would say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. When he woke up, he would say those words, and when he went to bed, he would say those words. And the question is, why? Why did they love this verse so much? One of the reasons is because to Israel, it meant that the God of Israel is a God who wants to be loved. You understand, this was, this was shocking to the ancient world. Nobody was going around saying, I love Baal. I love Molech. Sometimes we get this weird idea of God in our minds and we, we picture him as this giant character who's just saying, obey me, serve me, worship me, adore me. One of the great truths that Israel gave the world is that, and this changed everything, is that God wants to be loved. And part of what that means is God is lovable. We need to understand this in this, in this series when stuff happens to us. This is why Dallas Willard, he says these words in The Divine Conspiracy. He said, the acid test of any theology is this. Is the God presented one that can be loved, heart, soul, mind, and strength? If the thoughtful, honest answer is not really, then we need to look elsewhere or deeper. It does not really matter how sophisticated intellectually or doctrinally our approach is. If it fails to set a lovable God, a radiant, happy, friendly, accessible, and totally competent being before ordinary people, we have gone wrong. We should not keep going in that same direction, but turn around and take another road. Amen. In all things, God is at work for those who love him. Every moment... Whatever is going on in your life. Now here's the one that will blow your mind. The question is, so what is God doing for people who don't love him? Glad you asked. Jesus said it one time best. He said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. Listen. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. This is how lovable God is. God is at work for the good of those who love him. And he's at work for the good of those who don't love him. Does that bother you? (laughs) I'm not sure about a few of you. Does that bother you? Listen. 
All it means is the people who don't love him back, it just makes his job a little harder. Like they're kind of like in the remedial group, you know what I mean? They just need a little more patience. Listen, he's constantly at work for the good of you and every human being that he has ever made and put on this planet. This is so important to understand. And now we come to this last phrase, and I'll end with this. We'll go back to the beginning. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And I'm going to tell you how important this is. It's important that Paul says, we know. It is not important that we guess. It's not important we hypothesize. It's not that we should suspect or that we should hope. Paul says, this is knowledge to the core of my being. One time Jesus said, anyone who wants to do the will of the Father will know whether my teaching is from God or merely my own. You know how they'll know? (laughs) If they try it. See, this isn't about intellect. This isn't about IQ. Jesus said there is a connection between doing and knowing. The way to know is to do. Obedience validates knowing. When I obey something, I find out it really is true. Most of you guys know here in uh, Lakeland, I own a business with my brothers, and I keep an office at um, that location. And sometimes I work there. Sometimes I have to just go by and drop something off or run something in real quick. And any time that I'm running in and out of the office, uh, I have a habit of just pulling my car up in one of the spaces right at the front of the office. And two of those spaces are restricted for handicap parking. Now, we don't employ at this point uh, in our business, we don't employ anyone who uses those parking spaces. Um, So sometimes when I'm in a hurry, I'll pull in And I'll just jump out and go in, and I'm not going to be there very long, and I just park in one of those spaces. And a few weeks ago, this is back even before Thanksgiving, uh, I ran in, and I ran back out about five minutes later, and one of the employees saw me running out, and they stopped me. And they said, hey, Phil. I said, how you doing? Good? Yeah. I said, listen, I don't mean to be like a stick in the mud or anything like that, but, you know, I noticed that you pull into those handicapped spaces a lot. When you're, when you're coming by here, and I just want you to know that, you know, I know we don't use them a lot, but, you know, somebody could come and need to use those spaces, and more than that, you know, it just kind of sets a bad example for other people. You know, other employees could start parking in those spaces, too. Now, here's, here's me, okay? So here's my honest answer. My honest answer was I just bowed up inside, right? That's what you do. I was like, dude, I'm the boss. <laughs> Like, I put that parking space out there. I signed your check. I had that first initial thought because we're human, right? Then my second thought was, you know what? He's got a good point. I kind of backtracked and I realized, you know, I'm glad... I'm glad that he works at a place where he feels like he can come to the boss or one of the bosses and kind of say something with courage and do that. Now, unfortunately, he's no longer with us, but... (laughs) 
<laughs> I thought it took a ton of courage for him to do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He, he's, a, he's a super guy. <laughs> See, when I obey God, here's what I, I told a story for a reason. When I obey God, I found out that the law of God, the will of God, is given for my good, and it really does lead to the best life. See, here's the way it works. When I'm generous, I find that it really is true that it's better to give than to receive and that that's not just some quote from a book. I find out that um, when I'm kind of challenged to speak the truth in love and I say the whole truth, I can go to bed that night knowing that my conscience is clear. There's an old song I don't know if any of you will know it here. Maybe a few, possibly. I grew up on it as a kid in the church. And the lyrics of this song say, When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. When we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. You know the song? but to trust and obey. We all want to be happy. We all want good stuff to happen to us. And true happiness comes when not that good stuff is just happening to us, but good stuff is happening in us. So here's what I'd like to ask you to do on this first Sunday in this series. I'd like for you to make a decision in your heart to the best of your ability that you're going to sign up That you're going to be here every single week that you can possibly be here. Because here's what we're going to find out. We're going to find out that as life happens, that as all of life happens, God is at work. And listen, grace is happening. And suffering is happening. And healing is happening. And growth is happening. And courage is happening. And peace is happening. All this is happening because God is at work. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you for the words of the Apostle Paul. And I pray that we can own these words in our heart and in our soul and our minds over these next few weeks. I pray that we would even make a decision right now just to commit this one little verse to memory so that every time we're confronted with any circumstances especially bad stuff, that we would stop and say that we know that in all things God works for the good, for good, who love him. Today we think about where you're at work in our life. We just pause and we think about it. We think about good things. We think about bad things. And we realize as Christ followers, we're not exempt from the bad stuff. And we're not promised everything will be good. We own that truth this morning. And we commit ourselves to these next few weeks of learning and growing and maturing together as the body of Christ. Amen.